are you? I am fine. What is your name? Imagine you're in a school in India. It's small and tons of kids are running around in the dirt eating fresh cucumbers and bananas for recess. In a classroom, you see 10 kids crowding around one old computer trying to learn. You want to help these children. And you know that just outside, there are children who can't study because they're getting an arranged marriage or helping run the family business. So you started a not-for-profit organization that wants to make education accessible for everyone. This is the story of Janine Teo who is one of three Singaporeans who participated in a six-month change-making program led by Ashoka and funded by Google.org last year in 2020, where they adopted tech-based solutions to elevate the ways of working among social entrepreneurs in Southeast Asia. But interestingly, Janine's life hadn't always been focused on making meaningful changes like this. Join us as we talk about her journey as a social entrepreneur. I'm Sarah, and this is the 10 Year Challenge podcast, where we talk to people from all walks of life about their journeys and what made them who they are today. Janine, I want to ask you, what were you doing 10 years ago, since this is a 10 Year Challenge podcast, and what are you doing now? 10 years ago, I was living out of my suitcase in the hospitality industry, traveling about half a million miles a year. The biggest difference, I would say, is really the working conditions, the most obvious um, difference. Previously, I was working with a luxury hotel, their senior leadership team on their top line strategies and also how to implement those strategies with technology. So obviously, um, I was traveling in a very luxurious manner um, and currently, is totally different. So I travel more budget and I visit very different uh, communities. I guess the biggest difference really is the purpose and the why, or why am I doing certain things, right? So before my why was that, well, first it's really, really fun. And also I just wanted to, um, you know, climb in my career, uh, up the corporate ladder. And right now my purpose is really how can I use what I can do to make the world a better place to contribute to the society. So the why is completely different. That's super interesting. Um, to a sense, you were kind of living a very uh, coveted lifestyle back then, given that, you know, working in a hotel here, I know that you traveled like to over 40 countries, right? And now, you know, you also highlighted the, the change from like uh, traveling first class to budgets so on and so forth. So what actually changed the why? It seems like a very big surprise that I move from hospitality to tech. If you think about it, it's the Maslow um, pyramid of needs, right? So when you fulfill certain things, you just think think about, you know, what more uh, would make you more fulfilled or more purposeful. So I really went from working hard just to make my parents proud. I've moved from that. And once I was able to take care of that, right, I moved towards, you know, I want to have fun myself finally, because I wasn't having a lot of fun as a kid, right? So discovering the world, traveling and getting to know many different places was really, really fun for me. After that was kind of ticked off, right? Then I went to what's next, discovering who I am and really answering the question, why? What do you think is one personal challenge you think you've overcome in the last 10 years? You know, when I was earlier uh, in my career, I always felt like, you know, the, this imp imposter syndrome kicks in, right? So I would try to, you know, put on extra dark lipstick, wear really high heels because, you know, I feel like I'm very short and, 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 and just 
try to behave like this image where I felt like people would would listen to me, right? And if you really think about why did I even do it, right? It's because I didn't really believe in myself, nor did I really um, was was I able to like trust if like, if I show my real self, uh, other people would you know take me seriously. That propelled uh, me to kind of act older or more quote-unquote mature than I really am. And then on top of that, uh, because of the, the insecurity, perhaps, I just felt I need to solve everything on my own. This is obviously not possible in the NGO space because in the hotel industry, you're solving problems with known solutions. So you already know like this work, that work, but uh, into entrepreneurship, particularly in the social space where I'm trying to solve, how do I bring education to all of the other school students, uh, children and youth? So that is a problem with no known solution. Right. Um, people have been trying to solve these solutions by building more schools, training more teachers. But then my question to them is, some of these children actually live like next to a school, but they're not going to school because, you know, they have that period. They, um, they're already married. They're already working to support their family. So what do you mean by training more teachers or, you know, building more schools? So, so you have to go into this space, assuming that, you know, you don't know everything, right? And to learn and to be willing to test and experiment and um, research and adjust. So I was really very uh, motivated and, and excited about how tech has impacted so many people, um, which is why, you know, recently being part of the uh, Ashoka and Grow.org uh, cohort, right, was really a very um, interesting journey for me. Um, just to give you an example of how we use tech um, currently in what we do, right? Like before, if you wanted to practice speaking, you want to practice speaking English in the Papua, right? Where nobody spoke English, there's almost no possibility. But right now what we use is we, we use a Google API, right? The speech to text technology, speech to text technology. And with that, we are able to help people practice. Can you tell me a bit more about how it works, actually? So is it like a device? Uh, you mentioned an API. Is it also a device which helps people translate uh, what they're saying? Uh, we've created two products, right? One is an educational game app. Um, and one is actually a chatbot, an AI chatbot. Um, the educational game app is designed uh, first, actually both are designed um, not assuming intrinsic motivation to learn, Right, um, which might be a surprise to people, but you know, actually, learning is not fun, especially not fun for youth. And hence, we can't dis design assuming that they are so motivated to learn because reality is that learning is hard. So that's one, right? And um, the app itself is designed so that you can run offline. However, because um, of the offline play or learn, um, you do need a, 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 a certain amount of memory, right, to support you to be able to learn for months and so on. So that's one part. Um, the chatbot, on the other hand, is very lightweight. Um, however, you just need you need to be online all the time in order to assess, um, you know, the content, right? But some people just do not have phones as high specification as something that can support a educational game. And uh, within the app itself, 
uh, there are many different mini games which actually give mini lessons to uh, our learners. Different mini games are designed to teach different sub skills, which is like reading, listening, grammar, vocab, writing, and so on. Can you tell me a bit more about the experiences or stories you've had um, getting people, getting students or children who are not in school even to, to, to get on the app? So India is a very big country. So it's not the same um, way to impact uh, you know, the urban marginalized community versus like the rural um, communities, right? Because their needs are also really different. So um, in their urban communities, it's more likely for youth to have access to devices, even if the device is not their own device, they could, um, you know, uh, uh, use the device of their parents and so on, right? So, um, and the way that we engage them is um, we have, kind of uh, onboarding sessions uh, in the community centers uh, or learning centers. And we onboard and uh, bring the students onto our platform. Um, for younger students or students who do not have uh, access to any devices at all, um, we partner with like community centers or shared computer um, kind of resources um, amongst the slum areas where we install our software there. And um, my team in India would send pictures of like our videos, even of little kids already following her around because they're just so curious what she's doing. And it is um, quite funny where you have one computer and you have me all seven, 10 kids all gathering around, you know, trying to learn. So that was a very interesting um, experience. I see. Okay, okay. <laughs> Were there times or maybe one occasion where maybe you met someone, a beneficiary or, or anybody really that changed your perspective or like you had like a heart melting sort of moment, you know, or something that really made you think differently? Can you tell me about that? For sure, I've met um, so many people throughout my journey um, and actually many has melted my heart, many has widened my perspective. So it's really hard to point out uh, one or two, right? Um, the people that first really melted my heart as well as widened my perspective are my team members. I was so grateful that I stumbled onto my first few team members like Talitha, who currently hates our education um, and research team. Um, she uh, was a child labor and she almost had to drop out of school when she was in her young teenage years. She went around her village to try to beg for money to continue her studies, managed to, you know, put herself through school. Her dad wanted her to marry young. So that really badass lady ran away from home. And eventually, you know what? She got a scholarship uh, to study and teach in the U.S., she also studied and taught in the UK. So she got the scholarship that she received was the Fulbright Scholarship, you know, and she, instead of studying anything that's popular or sexy like finance and so on, um, she chose education and international development. What's even crazier is that she's so smart and bright and she, when she went back to Indonesia, it was hard for her to find a job as a single mom. So I was so excited when I met her and we, like the first call, we talked for four hours, over four hours and um, she's still with me, you know. So, I mean, people like her and many others, like my game developer, Batara, who, you know, um, somehow managed to graduate uh, with computer, a computer science degree with no laptop because he just couldn't afford it. My team members are made up of inspiring people and 
I also find that find that it's really important to involve these people who have gone through such、um, journeys, just because it brings us closer to our audience. In this space, a lot of times,、um, decision makers in terms of who decides who get what grant and so on has never been through such situations. So, it's you know really important、um, to to know to 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 get to know and to、um, involve them in the、um, in in the process of co-creating the solution. So it sounds like the Janine from ten years ago was trying to have control over things. How you achieved. Results. Maybe the impression was the more you achieve, then you know the more you're worth. But but now it's about like kind of relinquishing that control to collaborate with people and see like where that gets you, right? And I imagine that must have been like pretty scary, like when you first started doing more of that. That is absolutely right. I I also want to ask you, what's your definition of success?、Uh, as an organization, our、um, you know ambitious goal is to impact five million children and youth on uh, uh, globally to improve in English literacy, right? So that's a really big number,、um, and that's really tangible. I think that day to day success is really like a journey, right? So as long as every day you live life with purpose and that you do your best, right? I think that is already success because we are embarking on such a challenging、um, path, right? So as long as every day I do my best. With my best intention, then I'm successful. Okay, okay. Because I think a lot of people they look at success、uh, in terms of goals. So whether it's a long term goal or it's short term, maybe even if it's something daily, people have a checklist, right? So to make that transition to say that, do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel、uh, purposeful every day, or have you given your best? I guess it boils down to understanding what your best really is, right? And having a healthy assessment of that. That's right. I mean. It sounds very kumbaya, isn't it?、Uh, <laughs> but、um, I I used to work super long hours, and to be honest, I still do.、Um, my days easily like fourteen hour, sometimes fifteen hour days. But、um, I kind of get a sense of my limit, and、um, and I want to make sure that I still bring my A game to my team, right? So I know that I can't afford to burn out either. I think this is necessary in the in in this space where, especially the problems that you're trying to solve has never been solved before.、Um, so recognizing the complexity, I think,、um, you know, makes the whole journey more manageable. So in line with that, I want to play、uh, a little guest question. It will be a recording here. This question comes from a fresh grad. She says, "Hi, Janine. My question is: If I aspire to be like you, a strong female entrepreneur, what should be my first step?" What do you think of that? <laughs> <laughs> so my first、uh, reaction to that really is: Don't aspire to be me. To be Janine,、um, aspire to be a better version of yourself. I would say the first step is to think through your decision and your purpose in life, and commit to to that purpose. Right. So that is really the very first step. Entrepreneurship sounds very glamorous or exciting,、um, but I think what is not often discussed or not discussed. Enough is 
the strain on the entrepreneurs, right? So it's not, it's honestly not easy to be an entrepreneur. It's not easy for the people around them as well. So if you really choose to take this path, first, make sure that your family are supportive, you know, your partner is supportive because you're going to need support. Also, um, build your own support system around you. Find like-minded people. So I found um, quite a few like-minded people um, from my cohort, Google.org and Ashoka. I have uh, one of um, the entrepreneurs just down the road from me. So talk with the people around you. And if this is really what you think you want to do, then go for it because it's really going to be very impactful. It's going to be a hell of a ride. There's nothing better than living with a purpose. That's very, very practical. <laughs> I don't want to over-glamorize um, entrepreneurship. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely see it. And it definitely links to your personal growth as well with, with what uh, you talked about before. So it's it's an awesome challenge and it's so cool to hear this, Janine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we should have coffee someday. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the 10-Year Challenge. If you enjoyed it, be sure to follow us at Stories of Asia on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. Links are in the description. You can also get in touch with me if you have an interesting story to share. Thanks, and speak to you soon.